August 2nd, 2019. I'm Will Brenton. I'm the host of CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast, and I could not be more excited because football is back. It's the month of August. Asterix attached. The Broncos and the Falcons played in the first preseason game of football this year. The, uh, the Broncos emerged victorious 14 to 10. The under hit. The Broncos covered. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but a reminder, it is August. It is like fantasy football drafts are happening, folks. It's happening right like in the next 14 or 15 days. You need to be on your game. You need to be locked in. And the best way to do that, I mean, outside of this podcast, we're not a fantasy podcast. We're a daily NFL podcast. But we will bring you everything you need to know over the next three to four weeks to get you absolutely locked in for your fantasy drafts, for gambling, for the season, for your weekly bets, whatever you need. We will get you locked in. But you should also be subscribing to Fantasy Football Today. Our experts, including friends of the program, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings, who will all be on the show frequently throughout the year, uh, do an incredible job, along with my friend, your friend, everyone's friend, Adam Azer, uh, host extraordinaire of breaking down a daily fantasy Explanation of what's going on around the NFL. You must subscribe. Sleepers, bust, breakouts, live mock drafts, interactions with listeners and, and via email and, and Acer doesn't open up his DMs like I do, but man, I listen to it every day. It is a great show. You need to subscribe. So go check that out wherever you get your podcast. And one more thing. I need a uh, favor from everybody at, uh, at, at, on pick six nation. So. Here's the deal. We, uh, for whatever reason, are doing some, uh, we're doing a promo push on Sportsline.com. And Sportsline is awesome. There is a ton of stuff that you will get for both daily fantasy, regular season fantasy, and more specifically gambling. You will get every one of RJ White's picks as soon as they are posted on Sportsline.com and you will get your first month free for a dollar. So here's what you do. Wait. Uh, I, I, you know, do it right now, do it right now and you'll get it through, you know, September 2nd, right? Uh, or wait a couple of days and subscribe. I will be reminding you of this podcast every single day. I want you to go to sportsline.com slash join and use promo code Brinson. I need everyone who doesn't already do Sportsline to do this because if you do it, I will get a prize and, uh, maybe it's, Look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to tell what the prize is. I will share the prize with you people, okay? So go to sportsline.com slash join. Sign up. It's a dollar for your first month. Oh, you are literally just committing one dollar. You, if you, if you like to bet, you will get great picks, great information, tons of stuff. I highly recommend you check it out. And as always, if you have questions, fantasy related or otherwise, um, I think I've given away all the podcast Madden codes, so don't DM me about those anymore. Um, but if you, if you want to leave a five-star review, by all means do it. Uh, I gave away like, uh, 10 or 15 codes on, um, on, on Thursday, I guess. And great reviews. You guys killed it as you always do. Uh, if you have a fantasy football question, keeper question, draft question, trade question, whatever it is, and you want to, you want to email me, willbrinson at gmail, and you can DM me. 
at uh, Will Brinson on Twitter. I will answer any and all of those questions. My, my, I'm not gonna lie. My, uh, if I haven't answered your DM, they're a little flooded right now with this Madden thing. That's fine, but I will answer every single DM that comes my way about fantasy football. I, that is my promise to you. Uh, my, my other promise is that I will filibuster as long as humanly possible to not talk about the terrible game that occurred. Look, the, the, the Hall of Fame game isn't good. Okay. It's great in the sense that, um, football's back. Matt Shaw went four of 14 for 10 yards. Do you know how effing terrible that is? I mean, I, I am not a math major, but if you take yards and you divide by attempts, you get yards per attempt. And it's .71 yards per attempt. He had less yards than attempts, and he had an interception. Uh, Kurt Bittekert for the Falcons actually went uh, 19 of 34 for 185 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Drew Locke, 7 of 11. That's a nice completion percentage, except it was for 34 yards. Kevin Hogan, 5 of 8, 37 yards. Look, man. Kalfani Muhammad. Uh, ran the ball 70 times for 50 yards. I'm not trying to make fun of guys are earning jobs out there. Okay. I, look, I get it. I'm not making fun of that, but this was not uh, a way to decide whether or not, uh, you know, th- the football is good. Okay. Now I will say that at the end of the game, uh, if you are someone who bet on this game and if you are, you know, you're hey, congratulations. You're like me. I took the under hit lucky me. I wanted to take the Broncos because Dan Quinn is, uh, is terrible against the spread in the preseason, but that felt a little too adorable. And I probably should have because Broncos wide receiver Jawan Winfrey on a pass from Mark Rippon's son, Brett Rippon, who played at, uh, Boise State, went five of 10 for 41 yards and a touchdown, th- threw a terrible pass. Should not be applauded for it. It was a terribly underthrown pass. The ball is tipped up in the air. Winfrey comes down with it. The Broncos win. The Broncos cover. Oh man! And look, if 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 you're not betting on preseason games, that's fine. You don't have to do that. It's a degenerate move. But there are plenty of people out there who are doing it, and that like that's the whole that's the whole point about betting, right? Is that People are willing to bet on a preseason game that ultimately tip tilt like tips on whether or not literally tips on whether or not Jawan Winfrey can haul in a tipped pass from uh from Brett Rippon. Okay, so it's it's a little bit of luck when you're taking the Broncos minus two and a half, but they did cover. The under was never in doubt. Unders in uh in, in preseason are not a terrible bet. Um This is enough talking from me. Let's get to Brady Quinn, Ryan Wilson. We're going to break down uh, everything in the news. A lot of interesting, uh, a lot of interesting Todd Gurley talk from, from Brady Quinn. Uh, we also are debuting a new feature on this podcast called hashtag Zeke Watch, in which we call my friend Zeke and see if we can get him on the phone. We didn't today, spoiler, but we did call him. Um, we did get him on the phone, uh, in, in, in lieu of talking about Zeke Elliott's holdout. So, uh, without further ado, Brady Quinn, Ryan Wilson. All right, joining me now to talk about all things NFL around the league. We're recording this before the, we recorded this before the Hall of Fame game that I just broke down, but it is the one, the only Brady Quinn and Ryan Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Featuring Ryan Wilson. Ryan. Thanks for that hearty intro. (laughs) Well, Brady and I. 
Let's, uh, let's dive right into it. We got a lot of news around the NFL. We're not going to sit around and have conversations about what color our shorts are. This isn't the off season, right, Brady? Yeah, salmon is, is what colors yours, yours probably are right now. Mine are actually, <laughs> mine are actually an off green, but it is of the salmon styling. Salmon shirt, Brady. You can't see him, but he's wearing a salmon shirt. So all, I, all I wear now is Old Spice shirts. <laughs> hey, Brady, let me ask you this. I don't know if you, if you saw this on Will's Instagram because unlike me, I hope you don't follow him on Instagram. He is now a social influencer. I don't know if you've heard of this. Oh, you mean for Tuffy Beer or for Old yeah, Spice? Yeah, that exactly. That's right. He doesn't tell anyone, but he's out there putting out all these stupid videos. Like, why am I watching Brinson promote a beer on Instagram when I don't want to see Brinson in real life, much less on, on, on IG? And, and by the way, he's promoting something with a name that's exact opposite of him, Tuffy. Like, like if, if there's anyone who should be, you know, is out there promoting Tuffy, it's not Will Brinson. It's probably some guy who's a lumberjack with a really strong beard, has some sort of axe. Uh, looks very similar to Paul Bunyan with an ox. That, that's who I picture selling Tuffy beer. I, I, so, Brinson, do you tell people when you introduce yourself, you go, uh, I'm a social influencer? I, the number, I wish I was making as many dollars as the number of people who think I'm being paid for this. Cause I, I'm not. I mean, I, I promise you I'm not. I will happily take money to be a social influencer, but usually most of the time I find something interesting and I tweet about it. I, I just cultivate a lifestyle brand, Ryan. That's all it is. You do do that. Will Branson. <laughs> um, one of the things I like to tweet about Madden, uh, I once played a guy in Madden who is now requesting a trade. That's an interesting segue. I'll take it. Melvin Gordon, according to Josina Anderson of ESPN, uh, Melvin Gordon's agent, Demarius Bilbo, tells me he requested a trade last week for his client after the team remained at their initial offer of approximately $10 million per year. GM Tom Telesco told Bilbo Gordon is still in the family, but Bilbo was not given permission to seek trade partners. Uh, who would have thought, Brady, that uh, there was a guy out there? I didn't know this agent. I'm sure he's a good agent. I'm not knocking him. But uh, we have had a conversation about a different Bilbo on this, well, Bill Doe. On, uh, on this podcast. I can't hear his name and not think of that. What do you think of, what do you think of Melvin Gordon's trade request? Yeah, let's just make sure we clarify for all the listeners out there. It's Bill Bo, not Bill Doe, which is the object that gets thrown in the field for the Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, and, and if you're, if you're, if you can't remember what it looks like, just think of the Washington Monument, but a little bit, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit floppier. Anyway, uh, it's the question that was asked. Uh, you know, look, Melvin Gordon's in a tough spot here, right? Players don't have much leverage. Um, the offer, by the way, for the 10 million per year by the Chargers, I don't know the specifics or the details, but it puts him about what the fourth running back in the league. It's probably fair compensation for what he is. I don't think he's any higher than that. I would potentially maybe put him even lower than that at times. So I think as far as what he is as a player, it's fair. Uh, and, and asking for a trade or trying to request a trade uh, to, to find a partner to trade for him that wants to pay him that deal. I don't find that happening anytime soon. Because uh, if the own team is not going to pay him, I don't think there's another teams out there who are likely uh, to be able to pay him what he's looking for. You could maybe throw in the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're a team that could use a running back and let, if they've already moved on from Ronald Jones. Now the BA's taken over there in Tampa. Uh, but again, I mean, I just we don't see many teams really knocking down the door to offer big, you know, long-term contract extensions to running backs anymore. So I, I think Melvin Gordon's in a tough spot, and I think he's probably going to end up showing up sooner rather than later, or maybe he's just going to you know stick to his guns and sit out the whole year. Yeah. So. The, I'm with you 100% here. The, like, the Chargers, as I understand it, have basically given him this offer 
that buys out this year and two franchise tags years and equates to something in the range of 10 million a year puts him like you said in that in that gap between Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy and uh and Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. And th- that's sort of what we we talked about a few weeks ago Brady we we you know suggested that was the kind of contract that could work out for them. Um but you know if you're Melvin Gordon you want more and I get it. Uh the problem Ryan is that as Brady points out there's no one who is trading a third round pick, and that's what the Chargers will probably want for it, for Melvin Gordon, because they have three years left to control of him, uh, to pay this guy $13 million. And so he's probably SOL. One interesting thing I will point out that I discovered on Thursday while I was perusing the uh, NFL's collective bargaining agreement, as I like to do every Thursday, uh, spend a couple more, you know, morning hours just reading through a hefty 1,500-page legal document, is that actually players on their fifth-year option – may be fined one regular season game check for every preseason game they miss. And I'm not sure that Melvin Gordon's people know that. So if he holds out for four preseason games, he may be fined four of his 17 game checks. That's a problem. Listen, the man's name's Bilbo. He knows the rules of the CBA better than probably anyone. Fair. Uh, here's another team to sort of think about. And I don't think you're getting a third-round pick for Melvin. Maybe a fourth round and a player. I don't know, but no one's going to be a third round pick. But we've talked about this before that the Texans might also be an option. They have a lot of salary cap space. As it stands, Lamar Miller is quote unquote their guy and anything to take the pressure off Deshaun Watson seems to make a lot of sense to me. That said, I don't know if you're getting north of 10 million from, from anywhere. And it's not necessarily Melvin's fault. It's the fact that he plays running back. I mean, the only other team that might, might pay him that would be Dallas and they currently have someone else they have to worry about paying. So. These guys play a position that you can find these – we say all the time, you can find these guys anywhere. And I, I like Melvin Gordon. I think he's a very good player. He hasn't been healthy necessarily. And if you're worried about anyone on that offense, it starts with Phillip Rivers. And the second per, second person you're worried about is Keenan Allen. After that, I mean – Hunter Henry? Of, I mean <laughs> – Hunter Henry, he's coming back off the ACL, and he, apparently he looks good. Uh, I will point this out. I guess Bruce Arians said either yesterday or, or pre- the previous day that Ronald Jones is going to have a big part of that offense. I'll wait to see that. <laughs> and maybe he's just smoke screening, but um, I mean, obviously, uh, Melvin Gordon makes sense there too. Hey, can I can I chime in with one thing too? Because I do think you have to point this out. Like along the lines of the leverage conversation for Melvin Gordon, that team's not built around him. Mm-hmm. You know, like you saw him miss time last season, for example. Eckler came in and he did a good job, and I think Anthony Lynn likes Eckler. And you know, you look at the Chargers team, how they operate. They're pass heavy. They're not a run to open up the passing game type team which is completely different than the Dallas Cowboys and Zeke Elliott, who one, I think, is a more talented player and runner. But but that team is based around the run game. It is based around Zeke Elliott. So he's got more leverage in this case with his holdout, in my mind, instead of you know Melvin Gordon in this case. Yeah, and the other thing too, Brady, is that Zeke Elliott has led the league in rushing yards per game every single year for the three years that he's been in the NFL. He's got you know two years where he played 16 games and led the league in rushing yards total. And the other you know year he was suspended in a weird situation by the NFL in which many people believe he probably shouldn't have been suspended uh, just because Roger Goodell went outside of his uh, purview of power. Melvin Gordon doesn't have those things. Melvin Gordon has one year where he played 16 games. He's... Uh, he didn't score a touchdown, a rushing touchdown his rookie year. Uh, I think he's a very, he's only got one year above five, above four yards per carry. Well, only one year above what you, five. What are you paying? I think what it's, you, I think it's easy. I think you offer Melvin, we say, listen, Melvin, we're going to give you 11 million a year. And then that's it for three years. And that's, that's the deal. If you want to get cash in your pocket, you better sign this now. Otherwise you're going to have to try and hold out. And, and this is kid, that a good deal for the Chargers. No, no, right. 
Right. It's a I, I would not tie myself to any running back for three years. I, I would. There might be two years of guarantees where you tied to him. He, you know, arguably had his best year yards per attempt last year. So see if he can capitalize off that. But I, I would even, to be quite honest with you, I would even look at structuring something similar to what the Seattle Seahawks do as far as their precedent, where you know, as far as guaranteed at signing, you really don't see that after the first year. It, it really kicks in the the fifth day of the new league year, or the fifth day of the waiver period, which is five days after the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I could see something more similar to that. But again, Melvin Gordon might not, might not want to sign it, but I think it, it may be the best deal he's going to get. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really even sure what kind of market's going to be out there for him uh, if he was able to, to get to free agency at some point in time uh, after this year, if he sat out the whole year and they just end up cutting him. Uh, so, and for the record, so Melvin Gordon, I talked to Joel Corey on the phone for a little bit this afternoon. And we were just going through the, the mechanics of it because I'm, I'm writing about it for CBSSports.com. It's up on, it should be up on the site by now. Uh, but Melvin... So the Chargers buys in week 12 in order to uh, make sure that his contract doesn't toll. It's like very vague about what has to happen, how many games he has to play for his contract not to toll. But basically to be secure, he needs to report back around the, the week nine or week 10 game um, for, that the Chargers will be playing and get six games under his belt. Uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds very familiar. But, um, you know, if, if he does that, and he only plays, he only plays six games and he, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he could end up losing 14 game checks because of the fines and the, and the, and the, and the, and the fact that he misses those games. I mean, this could be a situation where he loses all that money and then he has to deal with the franchise tag and go through it again next year. So, um, look, if you're the Chargers, would you take a third round pick from Melvin Gordon right now? In a heartbeat. Hmm. I, I would too. I, I honestly feel like you could probably find that at some point next year's draft or someone who would, Equate to the production that he's had at this point in time in his career. I mean, again, he's only played 16 games fully healthy once. He's only been over, you know, what, four yards per attempt once yeah. in his career in that season. So, yeah, I, I think you could find that somewhere else. All right. Uh, my, my nightmare scenario, Ryan, involves the, the idea that, that Brady gets a quarterbacking job and leaves this podcast, which is the only thing he does in his professional life right now. It's everybody's weirded out. It's like, why didn't Brady do more stuff? Like, he just does that stupid podcast with Princeton once a week. Um, that was a joke for anybody that doesn't know that Brady has a radio show and does, you got a, uh, a college football show coming up, right? With, uh, Urban Meyer, uh, Shelly Meyer, huge fan of mine. Uh, of oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> what happened? Oh God, I, I just tweeted. He made a joke about Urban's health on Twitter and Shelly oh, wasted no. little energy slapping him around like he was a, a old used up can of old Tuffy. <laughs> Um, no, but you got Urban and a bunch of guys over in the, the, uh, Fox, uh, for yeah, basically the whole USC squad from, uh, from their reign back there in the early 2000s. Yeah. How, how about Matt Leiner really changing the game for guys on television? Like, I feel like Matt Leiner is the guy who broke down the five o'clock shadow barrier. Now, none of us are as, uh, you know, as handsome as he is with that scruff, but he like, he's just like, I'm just going to go on TV with the five o'clock shadow and it sort of let people get away with it maybe more than they had in the past. Agree or disagree? Um, disagree oh. only because, um, his name's escaped me at the moment, but, uh, legendary San Diego Chargers quarterback. Dan uh, Fouts. Dan, Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts had a beard on TV for a long time, buddy. Yeah, that's a little different. Dan Fouts, uh, my dad's age and rocked a full beard. Matt Leinard has like yeah, just like. Fouts has done that ever since he entered the booth and he's been calling games for a while now. Sure. He's constantly had a beard. I, I would say 
and it's not a five o'clock shadow. He's like he full well kind of has like a little beard. It's more of like a, <laughs> a Southern California beard, if you will. I don't know what that is, but it's it's not like your 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 ACC Deep South beard or SEC Deep South beard, where those are like full on beards like you're somewhere up in the Appalachians or something, you know? <laughs> Mountain man. Yeah, with an axe. Yeah. Tuffy. Drinking a Tuffy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any rate, my, my nightmare scenario is Brady leaves and goes back to the NFL and won't do this podcast with, with me anymore. But fortunately, he wasn't the guy who de-retired today. It was Ryan Khalil out of nowhere, another USC guy. Uh, Ryan Khalil, the former Panthers second round pick back in 2007, played his entire career in Carolina uh, out of nowhere. Joins the Jets to to line up with your boy Goose Brady. Uh, how much does getting a guy uh, Adam Gase, by the way, the retirement whisperer? How much does this help Sam Darnold and Adam Gase in this Jets offense to get a get a guy like Ryan Khalil in the fold at center now? There's a number of ways it's going to help him. I mean, the first thing is this: you know, anytime you give a quarterback the ability to step up into the pocket, which is something that Sam Darnold really didn't have last year. Uh, it, it, it creates a, a completely different world, a completely different, um, you know, platform to throw off of timing within the offense, you know, stepping up in the pocket allows you to still, you know, be able to be on time for a lot of your throws. And, and I go back to the year when the Atlanta Falcons acquired Alex Mack. And when they got Alex Mack, it made a world of difference for Matt Ryan. I believe he ended up being the MVP that year, or at least maybe the one of the first two years he was there. Um, but, but, but that could be the difference, you know, for a quarterback, at least from a physical standpoint, from the mental standpoint, it's being able to take everything off his plate. If they want to, they could put it all on Ryan Khalil. He can handle all the, you know, the adjustments for the, the offensive line, whether it's the run game or pass protection. And Sam Donald doesn't have to think about that. He can just go with whatever call Ryan Khalil makes. He can just worry about the coverage, worry about what, what he sees. And if he has any issues, you know, address those if, issues either, either by overriding what Khalil wants or just, you know, having a quick answer, whether it's throwing hot, side adjust, whatever. So, you know, it can take a lot off of his play mentally. And sometimes that's not a bad thing, especially when you're in the second year in the league and you're in the second year, but with a new offense. And so maybe they want to do that. Maybe they don't. Either way, it should at least at a minimum help clear up the pocket for him. Hey, Brady, let me ask you this, because we talk all the time about how left tackles are one of the most important people on the field. And now right tackles have sort of gotten that. And um, Garrett Bradbury got a little heat. Not personally, but people talk about maybe he shouldn't be a first round pick. Could you argue? And I feel like this, this makes a lot of sense after seeing the, the Steelers go through this eight or nine years ago. The center is the most important position on, on the offensive line because you have a center that's getting blown up every play. Nothing's going to work. Yeah. And especially now when you're looking at who the de- best defensive player in the league is and Aaron Donald. I mean, he, you know, there's times in which he could line up over the ball if you wanted to or find his way to that matchup with the center. And really, you know, it's the shortest distance between two points, a straight line. And the closer Aaron Donald is, to the quarterback, obviously, more of an issue that's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can make a case for, at least in regards to the, the relationship and all the working parts between a quarterback, especially a young quarterback and a center, you could, you could definitely make the case. And, and look, something that gets overlooked all the time is, you know, a center who can shotgun snap consistently in the right spot. You know, this game is evolving more and more to being what 50, 60% from shotgun. Well, if that's the case and whether it's, in the run game, the quarterback run game, and you've got a zone read, and, and you have a guy who's inaccurate with a shotgun snap or has to throw back there extremely slow, he can mess up the timing of just that, let alone the timing in an actual passing game. So there's, there's a lot of things that I think you take for granted with a really good center. 
And I, and I do think you can make the case for them being the most valuable piece on an offensive line for, for the, me, the, the reasons that I mentioned and the reason you mentioned. Elsewhere. By the way, uh, quickly, Brent, one more thing. Max Unger retired for the Saints and they drafted, um, the kid out of Texas A&M in the second Eric, round. Eric, Eric, Eric McCoy. McCoy. Yeah. So that's another sort of matchup to watch because that's a huge, those are huge shoes to fill. And obviously you're blocking for Drew Brees there. Uh, of course, you know this because you listen to this podcast, but as Jeff Schwartz pointed out, uh, he thinks Eric McCoy is going to be ready to roll, uh, week one at a high level. Now, I don't know if it'd be Max Unger high level, but very high level. Um, and it matters too, Brady, right? You're talking about a, talking about a quarterback. You got to have a, got to have a guy, uh, you gotta have your, your, your compadre that you can shove your hands under his butt and, uh, and get going and stuff. Um, Especially Drew Brees though, cause he's shorter, right? So it makes it even more important he can step up and really you move the mess out around him. Because if, if that guy gets blown back into his lap, you know, he can look through the bottom of his helmet all he wants, but he's gonna be looking in the back of his center or, or <laughs> defense lineman. So it's not gonna matter at that point. So even more so for short quarterbacks. And yeah, the Saints, by the way, have always had, Always had, like, you know, back when they had, uh, Jari Evans and, you know, they always had, they were always key on having, uh, protection on the interior. That was big for Breeze. And so that, I agree, Ryan. Great call. Uh, the Cowboys, we cannot do, um, oh, and I, we may have a special segment on this TBD. We'll try to make it work. But, uh, first things first, let's talk about the Cowboys. They said that they will not be market setters. Uh, Dallas continues to draw all the headlines this offseason. It's almost like they like getting headlines. Zeke Elliott continues to stay away. Um, asked about it. Uh, Stephen Jones said, we've got three really good football players that we are dealing with here and that have very good representation, and they want to see the market, he told The Athletic. We can't push the issue unless we want to be a market setter, and we're damn sure not going to be a market setter because of all the things that go with being a Dallas Cowboy. Um, Can I uh can I interject something here before we talk about it? I just want to read you a couple quotes. One's from February, and this is Stephen Jones at the Combine. He says, we've got a budget that we're going to pay Zeke a significant contract. We saw where Gurley got paid, and that's probably where it starts, and we'll go from there. So that was in February. And then the other day, Jarris said, uh, you don't have to have Russian champion to win a Super Bowl. Um, Emmett Smith was the first one to do it in 1993. So they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. I don't know why you would backtrack on the original comments. You, I just figured you wouldn't make them, but that seems to be where we're at with, with at least starting with Zeke and going on with Dak and, and Amari. I think the reality of, of those quotes may have been the reality that was slapped in, in Jarrah's face or Stephen Jones for that matter with, you know, two other players outside of Zeke that you're negotiating with and then realizing, whoa, holy cow. Maybe we actually got to play all these guys a lot more money than we thought we did. <laughs> um, so that, that might be one of the issues. Um, and, and Bottom line is, again, going back to the conversation with Melvin Gordon, Zeke is really the one you probably should pay, even though it goes against everything that we talk about as far as paying running backs, their life in the NFL. But if you want to have a shot at winning a Super Bowl, I do think he's an integral part of your team. Um, Dak's the one that I almost feel like, you know, again, he should be offered a longer-term contract. But if he's looking at trying to make money like Russell Wilson or trying to beat Carson Wentz's deal – I, you know, I think there's a, maybe a case to be made, at least from, you know, what he's done so far in the league, his health, his production, you know, head to head versus Carson Wentz, if you want to use that as a metric. But the, the bottom line is, I just, I'm not as sure on him being the type of quarterback that can ultimately take them by himself to a Super Bowl and, and, and do it, you know, down the field, throwing, throwing when he needs to. I'm, I'm just not sure they're there yet. And I, but, and plus, I'd want to see more of Amari Cooper. So, you know, the, the one guy who is going to be the toughest time getting paid in Zeke Elliott's probably the one that unfortunately, uh, isn't going to get what he wants out of this whole deal when it's all said and done. By the way, Brady, I think you have to pay Dak 30 million though. So you're not going to do that. 
I, I would like part of me thinks this. I was thinking about this the other day. He's going to show up. He, he's going to show up. He he's not going to all of a sudden sit out this season, right? He's going to last year in this deal. Zeke and, or and, Dak? No, Dak. Dak's not. No, Dak's not sitting out. Dak's showing exactly. up. Yeah, exactly. He showed up. He's already there. He's he's, he's got to show up. He's the one though that I, I think we'd all agree. If at least between Dak and Zeke, you probably have more questions about Dak than you do Zeke. Agree? Uh, I do, but I'm paying Dak first. Okay, but but here's all I'll say is, you could franchise tag Dak. That number is going to be expensive, but it gives you the opportunity to see another year. Yep. And, and see what happens and see what he does. And you could sign Zeke to that deal, who you feel probably more confident the type of player he is. And that might actually be more expensive in the long run, but it also may be the best way of making everyone happy and still giving this team an opportunity at winning a Super Bowl. I mean, at some point, you have to realize that Zeke does have some leverage here. Yeah. And, you know, he could sit out as long as he wants and incur the fines, blah, blah, blah. But if Jerry Jones is serious about winning a Super Bowl, if Jason Garrett wants to retain his job and he, if he wants to sign an extension, they need Zeke back. They really do on this team. So that, that, that's where I'm kind of stuck on this. And again, I almost think you can actually slow play Dak. Knowing that, you know, they can slap the franchise tag on, even though it's for a high price. And, and then look, you're just going to gonna have to pay more for it in the end. And by the way, they've got what the eighth most cap space for this upcoming season right now. Mm-hmm. So they do have space to be able to make that happen. Uh, worth noting two things on that. Um, Pete Prisco tweeted this out and I don't like to agree with Pete, but he's right here. Uh, Zeke is unquestionably better at his position than Dak is at his position. Like I am factually sure that Ezekiel Elliott is a top five running back in football. I am not entirely convinced that Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback in football. Now quarterback more important. We know that Um, also of note with Zeke Elliott. I mentioned, I talked to Joel Corey about Melvin Gordon talking about Zeke Elliott too. So it's been bandied about that Zeke has to report for by August 6th uh, in order to accrue a full season. However, Joel, Joel and I talked this out. He doesn't need to accrue that season because he has three seasons already logged, right? He needs four to become an un- unrestricted free agent. He has that fourth in the bank via the fifth year option the Cowboys have already picked up. So if he doesn't, he doesn't have to show up. I mean, he can't let his contract hold, but he doesn't have to show up uh, and accrue the season in 2019 because he's going to get it in 2020. And for anyone's follow up question, what happens if the Cowboys cut him well then he's just a free agent and he gets really rich so a very little interesting nugget on the cba there he gets really rich but he's probably not getting 14 million a year if he gets cut i bet he would get 14 million a year maybe brady maybe i I think i think he would for a couple years i I think there would be some bidders who have cap space for a couple of years i i would at least think that you could at least get that out of someone um, considering what he's done, considering his youth, you know, maybe the character stuff bothers you to the point where, mm. uh, you, you wouldn't for that reason, or you structure it in a way that, you know, some of that stuff goes away if he's, he's not conducting himself the right way, or if he's not on the roster for however many games a season. But I, I could see someone at least giving him a deal with, with two years of guarantees and around that average annual salary when it's all said and done in a contract. All right, we're going to try out a little segment here for the first time. I don't know that it's going to work. I uh, We're tired of Zeke Watch with Zeke Elliott, so we're going to do a different kind of Zeke Watch. We're going to try and get my friend Zeke, uh, my buddy Zeke that I went to college with, on the phone right now. He has agreed to come on but said he may be working uh, high-level uh, government employee who knows what he's up to. I promise you that Brady, this would be worth, this would be the highlight of your month if we can get Zeke on the phone right now. So we're going to give a call. 
If he if he picks up, he'll go. Branson, is that you? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, what is happening? Let's see. It's supposed to be ringing right now. It's attempting to call him. Brady. Did you know that one time last year, uh, after the uh, after the Steelers call, after the Steelers lost a football game, and Ryan was down in Fort Lauderdale, we called him and said uh, we're like uh, we we called a hotel room in Fort Lauderdale where he was staying. He thought he was like kids had died. And we're like, oh, hey, this is a- midnight on a Tuesday, and, and like woke me up in my hotel room. It's like <laughs> no one calls the hotel room on midnight on a Tuesday. I thought someone had died. Oh, jeez, yeah, it, pre- it was pretty terrible. Um. All right, it appears Zeke is uh, is not making it. So. He's ghosting you. I think that's what Your the kid said. Your call has been forwarded oh, to no. automatic voice. But now we have to hang up. Brady, leave Zeke a message. Be like, Zeke, where are you? Hey, I don't record your message. Trust me, you can say anything you want. He's like one of my best friends from college. Or press 1 for more options. Hey, we're looking for uh, a Bilbo or a Bildo. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not really sure which. But we think your name's Zeke. We're hoping you could help us differentiate between Bilbo and Bildo. Thanks. Um, I think Zeke will be very excited to know that, uh, that he got, uh, a voicemail from the one and only Brady Quinn. Okay. Thank God you did that. And I figured out how to hang up Zeke. All right. So, all right. We couldn't get Zeke on the phone. We will keep trying to get him on the phone, uh, as, as the Zeke watch continues. And he basically agreed that he, I was like, look, the ultimate goal of the segment is you come on and like Brady baits you into, uh, telling some horrible story about me from college. And then, and like he says like the F word and gets bleeped out. So that's, that's the ultimate goal of that segment. Um, it will backfire in my face badly because Zeke knows some deep, dark secrets about my life. Uh, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, talk some more football. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, perhaps the greatest segment of all time, Zeke Watch 1.0, ended in spectacularly terrible fashion. We're going to rip through a couple more pieces of news and then get to the NFC West position battles. Very curious what you think, Brady. I don't know if you – did you see the details of Michael Thomas's contract? Because it's not really a $100 million deal. No, no. He's uh, a a few million shy of that. I think there's some incentives laden in there that are going to be tough to to make or break. 
um, depending on who your quarterback is, right? I think that's going to be the biggest question in this is it's a great deal if Drew Brees was there the entire time, but I'm not necessarily sure he's going to be. Mm. What do you think about it, Ryan? He's got to catch 100 passes, gain 1,400 yards, score 12 touchdowns, and get to the playoffs uh, in order to get to that $100 million in 2022 and 2023, a time in which it would be surprising um, if Drew Brees was there. And per per football talk, the full guarantee at signing is $35.64 million, covering the first two years in a slice of 2021. This is Mike Florio writing. And then uh, from 2021... 2022 through 2024, it's a series of year-to-year Saints options. It's amazing how these things look different once you see the actual details. Yeah, we were just talking about the hypothetical of Zeke getting trade or Zeke getting cut and someone signing him. I mean, all these contracts are on fret deals the first two or three years, and, and that's the case with Michael Thomas, who, by the way, is still on average the highest paid wide receiver by a million two point five. So he's ahead of Odell Beckham, he's ahead of AB, he's ahead of Mike Evans. And, you know, that's that's a big part. These guys want to be the highest paid at their position. Mike Tom, Michael Thomas has certainly earned that. And um, Brady's right. It comes down to who's throwing him passes. Is it going to be Taysom Hill at some point, which it doesn't matter how much you're paying these guys. They're not going to catch it. Or, or Teddy Bridgewater is probably a better option, but we haven't seen him play in three or four years. Or is Drew Brees going to play forever? So, yeah, it, I think it's a great deal for both sides, probably more so Thomas than, than the Saints at 19, 2.5 on average, but yeah, it's not a hundred million. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm okay with that. I'm guessing Michael Thomas is too. He signed it. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady has, uh, bulked up said Wednesday. I wanted to get a little bigger this year and put on a few more pounds and try to absorb the hits a little bit more. I worked pretty hard at that. He's listed at 225 pounds, turns 42 tomorrow. If I'm 225 at 42, we got problems, Brady. Uh, what do you think about old, uh, Tom Brady bulking up? Yeah, I want to get to 225. I'm about five pounds heavier than that right now. I think I need a cut to get down to that point. Um, You're tall, though. Yeah, well, we're about the same height. We're you and Tom Brady? cut out of the Chick-fil-A, Brady. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that was the one-time occurrence. <laughs> that was awesome. Combine? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I ate everyone's scraps that day. What was it, like six different sandwiches or something? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was incredible. Uh, uh, that's definitely not on the Tom Brady diet, so uh, needless to say. But look – He's obviously not as mobile as he once was, not that he ever really was, even though this offseason it does seem like he's gone the lengths of trying to show us how fast he still is. He, he did run a better 40 times, supposedly, than his actual combine time uh, based on him and his trainer. Uh, but look, they've got some changes on the offensive line. Uh, I think there's some questions there. And I think he, he probably realizes now not having a guy like Gronk, who is usually going to be in the short inter- intermediate passing game at this point, it's a big target. That's your safety valve a lot of times. You get the ball to your hand quick uh, when there's pressure. When you don't have that guy, yeah, you've got Edelman, you've got some other pieces, but those are works in progress outside of Edelman. And so maybe he feels like he's going to have to hang on to the football longer and he's going to need to take some of those hits. Uh, Tom Brady, Brady there, any, sorry, Will, real quickly. Is there any scenario if Tom Brady is healthy that the Patriots don't win the division? Like anything, anything you can think of? Honestly, I can't think of any just because the Dolphins roster is, is – <laughs> Um, even though they, they've tended to split with them and maybe much like Matt Patricia last year where the, where the Lions, you know, were able to beat the Patriots somewhat easily. Maybe Brian Flores has the, the secret, you know, potion to stop Tom Brady. I, I don't know. Um, but it, that seems unlikely. You know, the Jets still don't have the roster either to, to make me feel confident they'll be able to compete, even though I know Adam Gase knows that, that organization really well. And then you've got Buffalo and I'm just not sure. So I, I would say there's, there is no scenario in my mind unless he gets hurt. 
Hey, oh, Brent, I wanted to mention this quickly. I don't know if you saw this tweet coming out of um, Patriots training camp, but Jacoby Myers. I was going to mention Jacoby hey. Myers. He's, oh, he no. is looking better than Nikhil Harry, according to reporters. I mean, look, Jacoby Myers is a tall, physical slot receiver. He's a perfect fit for the Patriots. I was surprised they didn't actually draft him. They got him as an undrafted free agent immediately. I uh, I think he's going to make the roster, and I think there's a chance, Brady, that he has more catches than Nikhil Harry this year. Sure, sure. Yeah, and there's a chance, too, to get sponsored by Tuffy when it's all said done because <laughs> he's he's another NC State alum where we're shocked that he didn't get drafted, shocked that he didn't get drafted <laughs> higher. Why weren't more of these NC State, NC State wide receivers drafted higher? I don't know. Calvin, I don't know. Calvin Harmon what? looks like the best wide receiver at the Redskins right now. That's not saying much, but he does. Oh, jeez. Uh, hold on. We got more Tom Brady news, though, and I've, I've, I've managed to queue up what I think is the audio. Tom Brady discussing his contract situation. A little spicy here. You know, such a great experience, um, you know, over a lot of years. And, you know, I appreciate this team and the opportunity it gave me, you know, in 2000. And um, I play for a great coach, Coach Belichick. And Josh and I have a great working relationship. Um, you know, I love Mr. Kraft and his family. We've had... Uh, just incredible success. So um, hopefully we keep it going. Do you hope to Tom, Tom, are you comfortable going year to year? Sorry? You're in the final year of your contract. Uh, is it going year to year a possibility, and are you comfortable with that? I mean, we're all day to day if you think about it. I mean, we're, none of us are really promised anything. So, I mean, I'm trying to do the best I can do today and, you know, just let those things sort themselves out. Mm, Tom Brady was also asked about a deal, and he said, what, do you think I deserve it? I, I it seemed a little bit, Brady, a little bit more of an edge than you might usually see from Tom Terrific, uh, trademark, please, uh, when it comes to his discussion of his contract. Oh, wait, you're talking about, you know, Tom Brady trying to find a way of putting a chip on his shoulder, right? Is that what we're talking? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, if we're going to go that route, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's trying to use this as motivation. I mean, look, th- this is an organization that I think much similar, very similar to, to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. He could go on a year-to-year deal with them, and they could work it out in the offseason. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I don't think they want him to go anywhere. So if he wants to come back, he can come back, and he's he's obviously still playing at an extremely high level. So I'm not buying into any of this, that there's frustration on his side or anyone else's for that matter. So, um, But look, if, if we want to talk about it, we can. I, just, I, I think it's what they do in New England in order to motivate themselves because they have to. I mean, at this point, what else is there to motivate you? You, you constantly dominate the AFC East. You've been one of the most, um, you know, historical teams in NFL history, if not the most, based on the, the stretch and what they've done. So, yeah, of course, they have to use something else as a form of motivation. Hey, Brady, let me ask you, because last year I think it was that Seth Wickersham wrote the thing about the Patriots. That got oh, so it, was like three, it was like three years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah. I think last year it was uh, – you know, did he write something about the Browns too? Like, Which, again, no, funny, maybe they'll go to the Super Bowl this year, uh, considering every time Seth Wickersham writes something like that, the team <laughs> is going to the Super Bowl. So let me let me ask you, whenever he wrote it, I can't believe it was more than last – it was before last year. It was in uh, – he wrote it in January of uh, 2018. So it was like okay. – dur- but it was during the 2017 season. I mean, like during, okay. during the run of the playoffs, yeah. So there have been reports, and Wickersham wrote about this, and we've heard things even this this preseason, I believe, about just Belichick not caring who you are, and he will treat anyone like crap and yell at them and embarrass them. And then Tom Brady at some point had grown uh, – that had grown to, to be an old uh, – he got tired of hearing it, basically. So – if you're a franchise quarterback and you have a ornery old coach who is extremely successful but ripping you a new one every other day in front of the team, how does that affect you? And we've seen sort of Brady cringe when asked about it. I just wonder if it has any bearing on maybe 
his thought process now that he's, you know, 87 years old. Look, the only thing I can think of that kind of relates to this is, and this goes back to college because, you know, Charlie Weiss, who was their offensive coordinator there with New England, uh, had won three Super Bowls. He had come to, uh, immediately to Notre Dame to be our head coach. And I remember one of our first meetings, um, one of the most refreshing things he did was basically played a bunch of tape when I first met him from my sophomore and freshman year. And he said, look, I've watched everything that you've done so far in your career. And like, you're my guy. Like, we're, we're, we will go as you go. And, you know, kind of, kind of went on, you know, it's kind of talking about that and talking about the offense and the system. Now, <clears throat> once it t- came time for training camp and all that, I was his guy, but I was getting tongue lashed worse than anyone else. And the reason being was he always felt like for the freshman, for especially that first year, he was trying to create that culture. If he could yell at me, if he could basically tear me down in front of the entire team, then everyone was held accountable because they and everyone felt vulnerable and kind of fearful of, of that happening to them. And, and he knew I could kind of take it. Now, fast forward that year, we end up, you know, going to the Fiesta Bowl. We have, we have a good season, not great, good season. Uh, but, but best we had since I was there and best we had in, in a little bit of time. Um, and so we go into the off season and at this point, you know, we've got a good working relationship. I decided not to go to the NFL and elected to stay with him for another year. And, and so I kind of felt like I had more built in equity. We come out that next training camp and I distinctly remember, I'll never forget this before, you know, he, you know, kind of came out and we had like a four vertical thing and I ended up, I think they're playing two Tampa instead of maybe trying to take a whole shot or fit something in, I, I just came down to the check down. And it's funny because the year before he probably would have said something about me trying to force a ball in there and making it incomplete instead of taking the check down. So, you know, I've kind of grown, become a little bit more wiser. And, and then he's ripping me for not taking a shot, being too conservative. And this is like during training camp. And so I remember walking over to him and asking him a question and he literally just kind of chewed me out. And at that point I was just, and this wasn't even in front of the team, but at that point I kind of thought to myself, I thought we had a better relationship than that. Like I, I thought we were to a different point. And, and maybe that's just a point you can never get to between a quarterback and a head coach, at least one that really follows that, that Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick coaching tree. And right. that's, that's tough to internalize because, you know, you, you feel like when you have success and you've got that very close relationship, working relationship, you feel like, like you can have just a kind of open, honest conversation. But unfortunately, in, in that realm of, of kind of coaching and that the, the coach and player, it's not really allowed because ultimately the coach is always the, the more dominant figure in that point. So he has to take control over it. So I just remember walking away from that thing and like, I'll never be able to feel that close to him because of that. If that's how he's always going to handle this. And that's probably what I imagine to be very similar to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And just unfortunately how that relationship most likely will always be. Is it, is hey. it, well I, uh, well, I just have a question. Like, is it curious? Is it possible that like all of these guys who come off the Belichick and Parcells tree are so enamored with the idea of like being like Belichick, like being an a-hole, but they're not really like that. And, and so like they have to try, is it possible that it creates like part of that, part of their struggles being coaches because they're trying to be like Belichick from like an emotional approach to it instead of just embracing their own way that like, I think like in my mind, Bill Belichick is just like a grumpy executioner with also has a great sense of humor and is capable of interacting with people in his own different way. Does that, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like everybody's trying to be Belichick and that's why it just doesn't work. Not just schematically, but also like emotionally and mentally. Yeah, look, I don't really know Bill Belichick outside of meeting him a few times and talking with him, but I would imagine who he is behind closed doors is who he's, you know, is very different than who he is in front of the team. And I think that's one misconception that some of his, 
um, assistants that move on to become head coaches have. Uh, I, I think the other thing is, you know, we always seem to re- revert back to our greatest form of training. And so because of that, you know, it, it, we, we're, we're all guilty of this. I mean, if, if you've been successful to some point in your life, right, or, or you've learned from someone who's been successful, thank you. you'll think you. back thank what, you. what they do. What, what, what did they do when they got to the situation, right? How they handle it. And you might even call them and ask them how they handle it. And they might say, well, this is what I did. I, I ripped that guy a new one or I did this. And, and so that's, that's usually how that ends up, uh, working and, and why it, it tends to, um, you know, create that ripple effect on down the line of coaches from then on. So I, I mean, that's what I kind of amounted to at this point. Uh, it is nice of Brady to, to, to point out that Ryan and I have both had success in our lives. We appreciate that. Yeah, that is nice of you, Brady. Can I ask Brady one more thing? You can ask Brady as much as you want. Um, we, so, uh, just so you know, we are going to have to talk about these GD NFC West position battles because it, we got to write a story about it. The podcast is going the story and we're done with position battles as of next week. So this is, bear, this is important. Just bear in mind that with each additional question you ask Brady, it could potentially keep Brady on here longer, which will only anger Brady. All right. Brady can answer this quickly. So if you had the choice of playing and you know the outcome based on what we've seen so far the last 20 years, would you rather play for Bill Belichick and what is probably his surly demeanor? Or someone like Andy Reid, who you suspect has a, has a good relationship with Patrick Mahomes and had a good good relationship with Alex Smith. Or maybe someone like Sean McVay, who appears to have a really good relationship with Jared Goff, has gotten the most out of Jared Goff and have less success than the six Super Bowls, however many Super Bowls the Patriots have won. Bill Belichick. I mean, call me a glutton for punishment, but Bill Belichick, you know, I mean, as soon as you started to say the question, I already answered it because, you know, ultimately I think that's part of the sacrifice to have success, you know, and, and, as much as like I always think back to um, you know my playing days and training and and just the process of getting yourself to certain points to to play in college to play in the NFL and it sucked but you also look back and and maybe you know you, you some part of you is like you know I kind of enjoyed it though like I kind of enjoyed the struggle and the strain and and so that that to me is a no brainer it's always going to be no matter how hard it is. You know, Bill Belichick and the success over a friendlier relationship that maybe seemed more fun, even though we ultimately don't equate to to the paramount or the most success that we'd like to have. Mm. Great take, Brady. Uh, all right, let's get to these NFC West position battles. We can actually we can wax philosophical uh, about Bill Belichick and playing for him all day long. Great questions, Ryan. Great answers, Brady. Um, we got to get down to this this dirty nitty gritty business. NFC West Rams. The running back position is a thing because we talked about the running back contracts. Uh, Todd Gurley has this massive contract, and people don't seem to believe he's going to do much at all this year. Brady, are you buying or selling Todd Gurley being healthy this year? And who do you think takes over the running back role if Gurley is not healthy. Yeah, I'm definitely buying that Todd Gurley uh, is going to be healthy. Oh, um, really? I, I think he's. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I, I think this is typically what we do during the off season. Then the games start being played, and, and we see someone perform the way, at least to, to a certain degree, what we're accustomed to seeing them. So, I think that's what we're going to see from Todd Gurley. And if there wasn't a chip on his shoulder or a chip on his knee at this point, <laughs> uh, there, there, there will be one now. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you move on to the rest of the running backs, I mean, I'll, we'll punt the whole division for this. I'm curious, what do you think Todd Gurley and the Rams are like playing possum here? Because, I mean, they are being really weird about this whole thing, and they were being really weird during the playoffs, too, like the Super Bowl. And the Combine when John Breach was there asking questions. Yeah, so I, I don't think they're being weird about it. I think one of the things that frustrated them last year and from talking with one of the coaches there um, when I went back and watched some of the earlier games, you know, they didn't, they weren't really pleased with him the way he played last year in the beginning of the season either. I mean, he was still having productive games, but they felt like there was more meat on the bone. And, you know, one of the comments I got from a former coach that was a part of that staff said, 
you know, go back and look at his, you know, the season a couple years ago versus last year. You know, he was, he was kind of seeing the whole better. He was more patient. He was, you know, this, this and that. He really trusting the blocking scheme that we had for him. It wasn't kind of going off on his own. And so when I went back and watched, I was like, yeah, you could see a little bit of that. You could see maybe here and there where there was something more where he should have stayed with the run instead of trying to bounce it outside and got impatient. So uh, I think some of those things kind of build up and frustrated him. And then when you got a running back like CJ Anderson comes in, who has to rely on, on following the scheme and following his blocks and was productive, then it was kind of like, well, here it is. See what, see what you're capable of when you actually just follow what we're actually drawn up the entire week for practice. Um, so I, I think that had a little bit to do with it. And I, I think, you know, maybe there's some friction there still with the relationship. But again, I, I don't have any concerns about Todd Gurley for this upcoming season. I think long term, maybe a different story, but not, not, not this upcoming year. So you would draft Todd Gurley. I mean, I know you don't play fantasy. I don't, I don't think you do, but you would take Todd Gurley in like the second round as a steal then is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, because I, I think if you're expecting this offense wow. to just fall off all of a sudden, um, you know, th- then that would be a big piece of it, right? Like as much as we want to act like uh, Todd Gurley, you know, isn't an integral part of this offense, he is. I mean, as far as rushing, providing balance, but also catching the football. So uh, I, I just I don't see there being this dramatic decline and drop off for him this year, uh, and, and and missing a ton of games. Look, I I could be wrong. I'm I'm not Todd. I don't know how my my knees feeling, but. I don't see it working out that way. Wow. All right. Uh, Daryl Henderson is the young man that, that uh, a lot of people are high on. Former uh, 70th overall pick in this year's draft class. The human yep. first down out of Memphis. Yeah. Um, another draft pick, DK Metcalf for the Seahawks. Ryan is trying to carve out a big old niche in that uh, in that receiving core. How do you see – I mean, Tyler Lockett's a clear number one for Seattle at this point. Um, not necessarily a – True number one, as it were, um, and they you know they may have a fall off with no Doug Baldwin there. Uh, but who else? How else do you see this playing out? Can you see DK Metcalf becoming the guy in Seattle? Well, I mean, it all starts with Russell. They're heavy on the run game. I think Tyler Lockett was fine last year. With I mean, he was amazing last year when Doug Baldwin was banged up. So I don't think he, there's any drop. Well, he was there. the most efficient wide receiver in football statistically right, which, last year. I, I'm just saying, like physically, he doesn't like he doesn't have this. Like he's not built like a Michael Thomas. Uh, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, DK Metcalf, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the knock, I like DK coming out. The knock, obviously, was that he ran that terrible three cone drill and he wasn't shifty, but he wasn't asked to do that at Ole Miss. He runs nine routes and he gets open deep. He outruns people. He wins contested catches. And I think that's something that makes a lot of sense for Russell Wilson, who's one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. I think another guy to sort of watch for the Seahawks is a rookie, the rookie out of West Virginia, Gary Jennings who um, is a slot guy, but he's big and he's fast. He played with Will Greer. Uh, he got drafted. David Sills didn't, and, and I think he could also contribute. And he might actually contribute more than D.K. Metcalf early on because you're asking him to do what he's always done, and D.K. has an adjustment to make. And the biggest thing with D.K. is injuries. He's been unable to stay healthy even though he's he's built like Will Brinson in his 20s. So I think that's the biggest question. I think Tyler Lockhart, Gary Jennings, and then D.K. Metcalf might be sort of the, the breakdown, at least in terms of, Lockett being the veteran and those two rookies. Uh, Brady, would you like to dive in on the Seahawks wide receivers or would you rather talk about what the Cardinals are going to do at cornerback this year? You know, to be honest with you, I, I think Ryan did a great job. And, that, and that's how I, I feel like very similar to when they drafted Gary Jennings in the fourth round. You know, he to me was going to be the replacement for um, for Doug Baldwin mm. based on the, the way he runs routes, what he was asked to do with West Virginia. Um, so I, I, I'm in complete agreement. You know, I, I do think David Moore will play an impact, but 
Uh, I'd rather move on to the, the, the Cardinals in the cornerback position. Well, what happens in the uh, first six games with no Patrick Peterson? It's uh, basically Robert Alford on an island, uh, free agent signing three years, $22 million uh, by the Cardinals after the Falcons cut him. He's uh, 30 years old. They've got Tremaine Brock. And then, of course, uh, 33rd overall pick Byron Murphy. Not exactly the deepest part of uh, what should be, no doubt, an impressive defense for a Cliff Kingsbury-led team. It's going to be offered in my mind. Uh, I don't think you want to put Byron Murphy on the outside. I'm just, I'm telling you right now, he's better off as a nickelback. Uh, mm. If you look at his skill set, his size too, but in particular his recovery speed, uh, he makes more sense in the slot. I wouldn't put him outside. I think he could get in a lot of trouble out there being undersized and lacking the type of recovery speed you need going up against either the really fast guys or the really big guys. So, uh, and, and mind you, too, he's a rookie, so there's going to be a learning curve there to some degree. So Alfred makes more sense. Keep Murphy on the inside. Um, I, I think he can, you know, it, it's a more familiar spot for him uh, to some degree. So that seems to make more sense. All right. And uh, uh, would you like to dive in on that, Ryan? I was going to ask Brady quickly about Byron Murphy because he was actually, I think he was my number one cornerback by the time it was all said and done. And you mentioned Willie at the top of the second round. Uh, so you did a lot of Pac-12 games, so you saw a lot of them. You weren't crazy about him. Is that because of the size, speed, or just from from the games you, you you actually called? No, size and speed. I mean, it honestly has nothing to do with what he did in college. I think he was an unbelievable, one of the best defensive backs I've seen in college football during my time in, in broadcasting. But, you know, does that game translate to the NFL? I think it does to some degree, but I think, again, you know, where it makes more sense is putting him there in the slot where he's not going to be isolated as much and is going to have to run with guys um, who, who are typically – going to be you know working downfield vertically right like if you're if you're in a slot for the most part you're running short intermediate routes or you're running across the field and so you have to have someone who's a little bit uh, more nimble to be able to cut through a lot of that and murphy has that at 511 190 pounds and again his 40 time wasn't what you'd hope it would be for someone who was of, a, of that size so again i, I just i think it, it makes more sense in the nfl game to put him in the slot and not try to put him out there on an island uh running backs for the 49ers a lot of uh, skill position uh, battles in here, and I, I looked at I, I double checked Devo's uh, breakdown. He did a good job of listing it. Jarrett McKinnon, who they signed to that huge deal uh, last off season, kind of a scat back, twenty seven year olds coming off a uh, torn ACL. Tevin Coleman signed to a two year, ten million dollar deal. That was the signing you really should have done instead of McKinnon. Uh, very familiar, of course, with uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, having had a big season in Atlanta uh, when they made a march to the Super Bowl. And then Matt Breida, criminally underrated. 814 rushing yards and three touchdowns over 5.3 yards per carry, as well as 261 receiving yards, Brady. Um, how do you think Kyle Shanahan uses this group? Is it trying to find a feature, or is it just sort of playing the hot hand and mixing guys in left and right? And, of course, we can't forget Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, Juszczyk will be in there as well. Um, I think it's going to be a mixture of all those guys. You know, I think one of the things you looked at last year – um, when it went from, you know, what Jimmy Garoppolo to, um, uh, CJ Beathard to then, um, uh, what was the Nick, young man? Nick Mullins. Remember you and I were, uh, doing that Monday night game where Nick Mullins lit up the Raiders and we were <laughs> unbelievable, like, apoplectic that we had to sit here and like wait for that game to end so we could record a podcast. <laughs> but, but if you go back and look at it outside of Kittle too, the ball was dispersed around a little bit. I think that's part of the offense that Kyle Shanahan would, would like to run it. So because of that, I think you're going to see a mix of all three of those guys. A because they can all catch the football out of the backfield, and then B because they all have a different you know type of skill set. So uh, I, I think this is going to be more shared carries amongst them um, because of their skill, and also like you know McKinnon, I don't think is big enough to be the bell cow. Mm-hmm. Coleman maybe could, 
Um, but more curious to see how those two in particular work into the system because uh, I, I both think they're very capable backs. And again, good weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo if he can never just stay healthy. Ryan, I know you're dying to jump in on a hot take of the 49ers running backs. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do it. We can, uh, we can get out of here, mosey on out and, uh, and head off into the sunset unless you got some hot take on the Niners running backs you want to speak. No, I think that Coleman should probably get most of the looks. Jared McKinnon was overpaid and he's sort of a scat back and he's coming off that ACL as you talked about. Yeah, it's an avoidable situation in fantasy unless one guy is getting the, uh, the bulk of the carries. All right, guys, it's been a blast. Uh, Brady, as always, it is a pleasure to talk to you. You look resplendent in that little tiny black circle that they, they won't let us look at Brady. That's how, that's how, so uh, yeah, that's how, yeah, yeah. I can see you guys though. Yeah, that's, I wore a hat just so you wouldn't make fun of my haircut. And, uh, don't worry, next time we will get Zeke Honeycut on the, uh, the live. Brady, Ryan, it's blast, last guys. Honeycut? Honeycut. You, you bear do? the lead. Holy cow. Whose last name is Honeycut? Do you want to hear He his has name? to be, he has to be in witness protection. There's no way that's his real name. Do you want to hear his, do you want to hear his full name? I, I think he's got some chaw in his mouth as we speak right now. His, his full name is Jeffrey Zeke Woodside Honeycut. Woodside, my goodness! And Zeke isn't short. That's his name, right? No, Ezekiel, Jeffrey Zeke, Woodside Honeycutt. This this guy is a mountain man, and he, he probably chops wood daily. He's like, hey, you work out today? Yeah, I chop some wood. Yep, yep. I'm not kidding. He talks like this. We are going to get this him on the phone. Spit tune. Is, the, is that what he had a spit tune to spit in his little chew and all that? I don't think he ever did jaw necessarily. Zeke, uh, he does. Zeke does uh, like his brown liquor though. I can tell you that. Moonshine, maybe a little air here and there. Oh yeah, moonshine for sure. All right, we gotta get out of here. Unless, well, we can. I mean, yeah, no, we should. We should go. It's been too long. Uh, always a blast. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.